Welcome to Happy Hour with Julie and Liz. So, Liz. Yes. Did you get out of your Christmas doldrums that you had last week? I I did, but I I I feel like Christmas is too short. You know, I don't <laughs> feel like I got enough of a break because I'm already getting emails about conference calls. Like I've thank God I'm on conference calls all the time. Yes, you and are. They're canceled this week, right? Because, you know, just because between Christmas and New Year's, so which is awesome. But now I'm already getting the reminders like, okay, we're back on Monday or Tuesday, <laughs> not Monday because that's New Year's Day. But so See, be careful you know, what you wish for. You can't have it both ways. It was short lived. Let's say my break. If well, like I said, I was the Shabbos guy. Like I cover for, you know, I help people out at Christmas. Because, you know, I mean, I want them to have Christmas. So I take the hit because I'm that good. But we did You're go that. see a good movie. So What'd you I see? If you want to know. Okay. This movie is actually pretty funny. I don't know if I would tell people to pay for it in the theater. But if you see it on a streaming service, I would recommend it. It's called American Fiction. And this okay. is the story. I think our listeners will enjoy this. It's about the main character is um, a a black man and he is a writer and he's like a great writer. He's like Shakespearean. He's very educated and he writes these great books <clears throat> and they don't do well. And all the publishing houses only want like woke black shit. And I mean, really woke, crazy, almost like so woke and car- a caricature. It's like offensive and it's a comedy and it's, it's very funny. And it's what he goes and pretends so he writes a book under a pseudonym that he's like a, a thug, right? Like he's on the run. He's a felon. It's called My Pathology with an F. Like it's like this is the cringiest, most unpolitically correct movie. The movie is it's very funny. So, again, I don't think you should pay to go see it. But if you do see it on a streaming service, I think Jeffrey Wright is the star of it. Um, I'm trying to think of who else is in it that anyone would know. Isa Ray, who's um, another black actress, is in it. It it it's very funny. I mean, it is so. I mean, it it's heartening in the sense that at least somebody understands how hypocritical, you know, this progressive, hyper PC, you know, race race obsession shit is that we have going on in our culture right now. So it was it's very it's it it. It, it is funny and, and you could go watch the trailer on like YouTube and just to get a sense of it. But um, and it's kind of serious, too. I, I, I did like it. So um, and that's rare. And I, I didn't it wasn't my idea to see it, but I was a victim of circumstance. And <laughs> so I went um, as we women uh, often are. And, you know, so I conceded and, you know, not too bad. And then Nobu after for sushi. So, oh, well, at least you got your reward. So there was that. Yeah. So anyway, that's that's it. So that's my psychological state for the moment, <laughs> if anyone cares. <laughs> well, my husband is addicted to The Crown. So oh. we've been watching that. And that's actually really good. I stopped watching it. like, But I, I should go back. I mean, I didn't stop watching it for any for reason. reason. Yeah. I mean, I did enjoy it. Um. I think the last season I saw was with Matt Smith when he was Philip, Prince Philip. Um, I love Matt Smith because he was Doctor Who. 
for a couple seasons and he's great. Um, But it's when he was like young. So he was like a young Philip. Um, But I should go back and watch it. I just don't watch. I stopped watching TV. So I don't watch TV anymore. I listen to podcasts and I read because I just, I don't know. I've had enough. (laughs) I can't take it anymore. (laughs) And it's hard to find good stuff on TV. You know that, right? I mean, we talk about this, like, about how shitty our culture is. But, you know, other than, like, The Bear, which is great. I know. I'm waiting for that. I know it's a rarity that there's something that's really good. I'm almost always disgusted. I started watching this. I have to cancel. I have every streaming service. We we have every streaming service. I need to cancel them all. But Ooh. I started watching this uh, documentary on HBO about the Stewart murder case that happened when I was in college there. And it was a huge deal. It was about the guy who said a black man had shot his wife and shot him. And it turned out it was not a black man, but it was him. And he he ended up committing suicide. But I wanted to just see that because I lived through it because it happened when I was mm-hmm. living in Boston. And then it, it was a it was a huge, huge, huge deal. Started watching this documentary and I just I couldn't even take it anymore because it's just everything is just so intentionally racially charged. I swear these people want a race war. I mean, we I guess we are in a race war. I don't well, know. But trying, I feel like yeah. we are. So I just. You know, I cannot. Can I just watch something interesting without getting a teachable lesson in it? And nope. the answer apparently is no, I can't. The so, answer is no. <laughs> so I'll just watch so the Breakfast Club again. Fine. No issues Which brings there. Bring us back to the carefree days of the 1980s. Yes. Let's take a trip back to the good old days. <laughs> so um, I love this land of the 80s account. So what's cute is, you know, Right now, going back in the 80s, like this week is Time Magazine, you know, what was like their person of the year, whoever. But in 1984, they have the front cover of Time, Santa's hottest gift, the magic box that is creating a video revolution, VCRs. That was the hot gift in 1984. And I think I do remember that, although I think it was 1983 for our family. Wait, which what what was it? It was... the VCR. Oh yeah. Wow. We had a Betamax and then we had a, we had a lot of VCRs. My dad was very tech, you know, into technology like me, um, or I'm like him. Um, and we, we, yeah, the VCR, but now look how obsolete, I mean, it was so influential and remember TiVo, what's that? I mean, TiVo oh, God, was right. like the VCR or video discs. I mean, just think about, I, I think this goes back to the point I made it a couple shows ago about how generation X has just lived through so many massive changes in that regard from, I think we were kind of a little bit too young to be super into eight track tapes, but we went through cassettes and then the CDs and then all these different forms of, of mediums of music just for just music, but also video. I mean, just tremendous. And I've seen sometimes I, because I follow a lot of the 80s stuff, too, they'll put up an ad for like a personal computer in 1980, like $8,000. You know, now you can get a $200 laptop on Amazon and you can get it in two hours. <laughs> it's I know. It's just it's just crazy. It's so crazy. So, um, <clears throat> yeah. And then in 1982, for the first time, there was a non-person named Person of the Year, but it was actually Machine of the Year. 
and it was the personal computer and there's just a guy in front of his computer, white, I guess, what would we call it now? An NPC sitting in front of a big computer on his desk. So to your point, I mean, people don't even use those really anymore. The big, like. The big CRT monitors that were like 500 pounds. And then how do you get rid of them? I mean, I don't even think you could buy those anymore. But just think, I mean, back then, that was such a big deal. And who knew it was basically going to end up in the downfall of humanity, right? I mean, now everybody's on, you know, TikTok or Instagram all the time. And we're building artificial intelligence. It's already in use. You know, these algorithms are basically a form of artificial intelligence um, that's taking over everything. So, and that's pretty quick. I mean, you're talking 30 years or 40 years so, yeah, I know. Crazy. Scary stuff. Scary stuff. So here we are. Um, th- you know, I think and I guess we could talk about what's to come in 2024. I think a lot of people are very worried, Liz, about what's going to happen next worried. year because we're just in this tinderbox that is being constantly stoked by now the media and the Biden regime and Democrats And you could see this escalating. And I think there's two recent examples, obviously, the Palestinian protests that were shutting down airports or at least obstructing access to airports like O'Hare and I think maybe Newark, maybe JFK. JFK and then also LAX. Okay. They did LAX yesterday. Um, But I know definitely, yeah, O'Hare LAX was yesterday, and I think that they have done JFK before, and they may have done JFK again. But you're right that it is a serious problem. And it's also, I I just want to point out, it's illegal, okay? It is illegal for them to do this. Now, I don't know exactly where they were, but I believe airports are almost federal property. They're controlled by the FAA, that's our friend. Isn't Pete Buttigieg our Secretary of Transportation? I, last time I checked, but where is he? I don't even know where he is. He is on a private jet somewhere, I'm sure, because <laughs> he likes those. He likes to fly private. We know that. Yes. Is he still on maternity leave or paternity leave? Remember he when he went be. on paternity leave and didn't tell anybody? He's right. just gone. Nobody noticed for months. Um, <laughs> but 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 depending on where they were, it may even be federal property, and it, it's against the law to block the right of way. This is against the law in every state, and I think federally as well, or no federally as well. And yet, there's no effort to shut this shit down. And so it's going to keep happening because it's basically this sort of violence and uh, protest, and I say air, I use air quotes when I say protest, has been, you know, through experience shown to get a pass like okay it's fine you know you want to firebomb a courthouse in Oregon it's fine we're not going to do anything to you so it's going to keep escalating well there were massive like a a riot in New York City right where they're attacking police officers I mean that was fine it's fine just don't that's fine don't pick up a lectern in the capitol building we got to get that guy on here by the way he's hilarious lectern guy that guy. You guys need guy. a lap. You have to follow the lectern guy. On I don't know if he's. I only see him on Twitter, but he's hilarious. Like that's how you make fun of what's happened to you and the whole that absurdity. Poor guy. Of climate. All those poor people. But again, like 
you know, after watching political violence for an entire summer where so many police officers were hurt. Some remember in, I think it's in Portland, they blinded federal agents, like permanently blinded with those lasers that they were pointing in their eyes. Right. Where, where, where are the consequences for that? There, there aren't, there aren't any, or the, I think it was like six months ago that uh, D.C. or I don't know if it was the DOJ or the 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 Capitol, not the Capitol Police, but the Metro D.C. Metro paid millions of dollars to these protesters because their civil liberties were infringed on while they were, you know, throwing shit and breaching the White House boundary. So and of course, that money will just go towards further growing their movement it goes right into that goes back into infrastructure the antifa types and those soros groups that are that fund these kinds of things so you know we basically just we're flaunting the fact that there's two tiers of justice at this now which is a recipe for disaster well now the latest now of course we have to ignore all of that violence the threats the danger that this movement poses. Um, But then there was news last week of alleged threats against the Colorado, which we'll get to Colorado Supreme Court justices, four out of seven who declared, determined that Donald Trump had engaged in insurrection and he had to be removed from the presidential primary ballot. So all of a sudden, NBC News and others start reporting on threats of violence against the Supreme Court justices. Okay, so what's the evidence? More online? Yeah, I believe that. I don't believe it. Well, so they cite a few online posts, including one, which is a riff off an old joke, as you know, about lawyers. Like, you know, how many lawyers? Oh, how many? Okay. Yeah. (laughs) What do you call it? You know, 10 lawyers at the bottom of the ocean, a good start start. or something. So that's an old joke. But someone posted that allegedly. It was probably a Fed, right? Because you know this is a total Fed operation online. Right. Right. And then, but you love this, Liz. The alleged evidence and data came from another front group led by Daniel Jones. Oh, yeah. Fusion Dan Jones. Yep. Yep. yep, Former staffer for Diane Feinstein, who then created the Penn Quarter Group, and he took over funding of the Fusion. uh, You know, he took over the dossier funding, basically, and Christopher Steele took that over from the Clinton campaign and DNC and continued to peddle the dossier and Christopher Steele's legitimacy on Capitol Hill using all of his contacts, including, I think one of them was Jake Sullivan, the current spokesman mm. for the course. State Department. Yeah. Yeah. Of course. So again, like as you notice that the media is constantly propping up these just opaque, like quote threats I mean, like I said, I don't I don't believe it. I don't I don't believe that there were actual credible threats against um, the Colorado Supreme Court justices. Now, were people saying stupid shit on Twitter as they do all day long every day? Yes, probably. Um, Is that a credible threat? Probably not. Um, But that all of a sudden is is a headline. You only hear about threats from right wingers. But I know and I know you know that there's a lot of stuff that isn't public that is extremely threatening that Republicans are the target of. 
and nobody gives a shit. I mean, really serious stuff. Not to mention the fact, I just want to point out, there are literally people threatening violence outside the houses of Supreme Court justices um, regarding the uh, abortion decision that came out because it was leaked, um, probably by John Roberts, but um, or maybe one of the other lefties on there. But still, there were people outside their house, which, again, is illegal. Federally, it is illegal. The feds could have gone in there and just, you know, picked all those people up and arrested them. And they didn't. And that didn't really get a lot of attention in the media because why? Because it was against Amy Coney Barrett and Clarence Thomas. And so, you know, who cares about them? You know, they're garbage people. So the media is very selective and is more than happy to puff up just some dumb shit on Twitter, uh, you know, mouthing off about something that isn't even a real threat. Um, right. Again, this is just es- es- escalating. It's es- it's going to escalate because at the same time that this is happening, <clears throat> the, you know, deep state, if you will, or these these institutional bureaucrats are ratcheting up like your your friends going after the J6ers are just ratcheting up their extreme behavior which is going to end up in violence. I mean, if they start taking Trump off the ballot, like they are trying in Colorado, and I think I heard Red New York is going to try too, you're just asking for, you're just asking for trouble, and that's what they want. I mean, they want to provoke people. They do. That's so they're going to create assessment. more of these alleged front groups. You know, like they had Mary McCord had one, and she was very involved in fabricating all of this data about the threat of domestic violent extremists, i.e. Trump supporters. And that was used as part of the January 6th Select Committee. And it was used in other, you know, venues that needed it. Um, And so to your point, the FBI reportedly is in in Denver, field office is investigating these so-called threats against Colorado Supreme Court justices. Meantime, we have Republican elected officials who are being swatted by the FBI. And this was a whole series on Christmas. I think it was Christmas Eve or Christmas Eve was one. And then Senator Rick Scott of Florida reported on Twitter on Thursday morning that his house in Naples, Florida had been swatted on Christmas night. Um, Marjorie Taylor Greene swatted for the seventh time. Jack Posobiec's parents swatted. Brandon Maxwell, um, Republican, uh, Congressman, I'm not quite sure where he's from. Let me, I had it saved somewhere. In Colorado, maybe? Um, let me look. I saved it. Uh, so you, you've got all of these Republicans. Brandon Williams, where is he from? Uh, he is from New York. Oh, New York. Yes. So uh, he was swatted. He was the one with holding the Israeli flag. On October 18th, when they had the big insurrection that no one has been Talk charged about. with. Cares about uh, <clears throat> so, and I mean, we know other people. I think Cat Turd, he was swatted recently. Tim Pool has been swatted multiple oh, times. So, so many that's times. okay. But, yeah. that's, but let's look at someone who posted online, who again is probably a paid FBI informant to post shit and lure people to do the same and then get them arrested. Um, just your, to your point, I mean, this is what they're ratcheting up. This is what they want. They're intentionally stoking violence, especially for next year. And I'm sure a lot of people can 
can relate to this. If you're talking with family members or friends over the holidays, um, people are very concerned about what's going to happen in the country next year. So it's just a different feeling than than past years. And oh, de- definitely, definitely. And I think people, I mean, there's so many things undetermined that we're kind of waiting to see how they go as this plan to provoke people moves forward. You know, all these court cases have to be decided. And what are the consequences of the court cases? Um, You know, I, I think that any attempt to remove Trump from running for president or claiming he can't be president is going to be a real problem. It's 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 a real problem. First, because it's ri- it's ri- ridiculous and there's no grounds to do it. But it's just so blatant. Um, you know, a lot of this stuff kind of happened, started, and people didn't know. I mean, it. I don't want to say that before the internet, you know, there weren't powerful people manipulating the public. Of course, we know. I mean, go back to the way the New York Times reported on the Holocaust or didn't or Walter Durante or these other people in the media. The media has always had a left bias and it's always influenced people because it's pretended to be objective and reporting information. So I don't want to say that it's just the Internet that's made this happen. But the but it had always been kind of secretive or pretending that it wasn't happening. Now they're not pretending anymore. And it's not even that they're not pretending. It's that they're shoving your face into like the pile of shit. Right. They're like, look what we're, we, we, we don't, they don't even care if we know what they're doing. They don't even care. You know, the New York times published a couple days ago, an op-ed from a senior Hamas official. They just published it. Now, remember, they would not publish Tom Cotton's op-ed talking about why Trump needed to send in the troops to clean up these cities where they were firebombing federal courthouses. Right. They were not going to publish that. But they were they did publish a senior Hamas official who and Hamas, again, to remind everybody listening, Hamas is considered a terrorist organization by the federal government. So that is not even an opinion that is the position of our federal government that Hamas are terrorists and New York times had no problem publishing the op-ed by him. So the media has always been biased. They're ginning it up. They're puffing up these instances to try and make, you know, turn the public against quote Republicans or Trump supporters, or, I mean, I don't even think you have to be a Trump supporter for that, you know, or identify as MAGA or whatever the caricature that the media has set up. I mean, anyone who's on the right side of the political spectrum who holds certain conservative beliefs or beliefs that are assigned to be, con- you know, t- typically d- assigned con- to conservatives, that they are enemies. And because they're enemies, nothing is off the table. I mean, because that was the whole pretense of what they were did to Trump when Trump won the presidency, all of the different um, slow walking and, and uh, obstruction of the Trump agenda was because. Trump was so dangerous that we were, in fact, allowed to just, you know, suspend certain constitutional protections and procedures because he was just that dangerous. And, of course, we're all too dumb to take care of ourselves. And we need, you know, the smarter people um, like the Ken Delanians and, uh, (laughs) you know, to help us understand or to tell us, you know, what or like the Maggie Haberman's what's worse uh, to, to, to help us out. So, I mean, you're right. I mean, people should be concerned because I'm worried there's no there's no limit. I mean, I've always 
thought in the past, but pre-Trump, you know, there's only so far they can go that they didn't want to reveal themselves, right? They didn't want to reveal their agenda because it was like, no, we're objective or no, we're just doing this for the constitution or no, we're just government bureaucrats. Now that is, that is off. Like they don't even care anymore. So, and that is a dangerous place to be. Yeah, it it, it definitely is. And <clears throat> now as we see these court and we could get to where all of these various court proceedings and criminal indictments, trials, et cetera, are headed and what people can sort of be looking for. Um, you know, it's one thing to have, say, Trump's trial scheduled in Washington for March 4th, which now looks like an impossibility. But then you push it to April or May as you're getting closer to not just election, but when he is going to very likely be accepting the Republican nomination. Um, I mean, yes, we're in uncharted territory. That's, you know, doesn't need to be stated, but we should say it just for the record. Um, and who knows what else they're going to throw out there and who knows who else they're going to charge. I mean, it's not just Trump. They have six unindicted co-conspirators in the D.C. indictment. They could still haul in and arrest Rudy Giuliani, John Eastman, Sidney Powell, Jeffrey Clark, and others in that D.C. indictment. They could supersede the existing indictment, add them as co-conspirators, and charge all of them with seditious conspiracy. I mean, they could easily, Jack Smith could easily do that in the next few months. Um they could and charge. He would get a conviction too. I mean, that's the thing. It's easy. like again, because he's in a kangaroo. There's a kangaroo court of Trump haters in D.C. They basically are just going to win every case they bring, and then begins the process of appeal, which is long, right? And so, how do you undo, like, undo the damage from that, right? The PR hit, and who knows what the states will do once he does get those convictions, the states will say, well, he's a proven insurrectionist. He's a proven seditious conspirator, you know, blah, blah, blah. He can't go on the ballot. You know, I mean, there are going to be some serious consequences um, uh, if they, and they will, and they will. I don't know what would stop, Julie, would you think anything would stop them from doing that? There's absolutely not. And anyone who is out there, you know, and I see this on Twitter, oh, they're never going to convict him. Oh, this trial's never going to happen. Now, the trials may not happen simply because of the calendar, the court calendar is working against them, right? So for right now, both cases, the DC January 6th trial and the classified documents trial in Southern Florida, both of those pretrial schedules that deal with, you know, motions about what evidence can be presented to the jury. We can kind of go through Jack Smith's latest, even though the pretrial calendar is on hold. Jack Smith continues to file motions on the docket, even though it's on hold, because his thought is, well, as soon as the hold is lifted and there's a hold on it right now in the D.C. case, as the presidential immunity matter makes its way to the Supreme Court, um, <clears throat> And until that's resolved, they can't move forward on the trial. It doesn't matter to Jack Smith. He's still filing motions. He filed a motion on Wednesday about, and this is sort of laughable, all the evidence he does not want Donald Trump to uh, present to the jury, including information about January 6th in a case that deals with January 6th. So anyway, 
that's getting a little confusing. But right now, both cases are on hold because until the presidential immunity, and this is unprecedented, Judge Tanya Chutkin, born in Jamaica, became a U.S. citizen as an adult when she came here to become a dancer and then ended up in law school, then ended up on the federal bench. Thanks, Barack Obama. (laughs) She wrote this unprecedented ruling that said, yes, presidents are not immune from criminal prosecution. That is going to the appellate court. Oral arguments in that are scheduled for January 9th. Jack Smith tried to leapfrog over the appellate court, go to the Supreme Court, which the Supreme Court denied cert certification of that petition um, a few days ago. So they were not going to get involved before the D.C. appellate court does. So oral arguments on that issue January 9th. But, Liz, that could be weeks before they hand down any opinion. Now, there's two Democrat judges, one Republican judge. But the Republican judge has already sort of signaled she did not want to deal with this until the Supreme Court weighed in, which they did. So at any rate, <clears throat> this is not going to be a quick opinion. I mean, it, it could be. But if it's quick, you're going to give the Supreme Court more fodder to overturn the appellate court or upholding Judge Chutkin's ruling. So they have to be very careful with the opinion that they come out with uh, because this is unprecedented. We, we don't know. Um, the Supreme Court has never dealt with the criminal prosecution of a president or former president. And the citations that they use, you know, Clinton and then Nixon don't relate to criminal prosecution. It's more if they're subjected to civil liability. So these are very thorny issues that, of course, have major ramifications, consequences for the future. So that's so that's on hold right now. Even if for some reason they get so, but the Supreme Court, their term ends in June and they've already got obviously oral arguments set. We're still waiting to hear when oral arguments will be scheduled for the 1512 C2 matter that we keep discussing. But even if they somehow put this on a fast track and they do have oral arguments, they've got to have briefs back and forth, right? And even after the appellate ruling, Liz, and this is just for people to get their head around this timeline for the D.C. January 6th trial. Trump has time to then go back to the D.C. Circuit and ask for the and bank consideration. So when you have an appellate case, you have a three judge panel that first hears the oral arguments and then renders their opinion. Whoever the defendant is or the appellate can come back and say, no, now we want the full circuit court to listen to this. And then they come back and then they'll probably deny it. And then there's time between that to go to the Supreme Court. So that adds almost, I think, a month and a half to just the appellate issue before it gets to the Supreme Court. They ask, you know, the Supreme Court to grant cert and hear the case. So you could see, I mean, this this period is going to go by very quickly. Yeah, well, like I said, there's so many different balls in the air that will dictate how things go forward. It's hard to predict exactly what direction things are going to go but you're right I'm it just seems like a big mess and I think that's part of what they want is they're just coming at him from every side from every direction um so that they have a lot of options on what they want to use because ultimately at least now as long as Biden is the nominee I mean Trump Trump is polling better than Biden in a lot of the recent polls so And people are not happy with Biden. Biden has lost 
some of the younger vote, which they need. They needed that. And apparently the Muslims are not happy with him because he's not siding with the Palestinians, at least publicly, because privately he certainly is. and His State Department is. So Biden is so weak. They can't let him run against Trump because Trump has a good chance of of winning. So there has to be some other play because they're not going to let Trump be the president again. I, I just don't. I, I know we've kind of talked about this offline, but based on the stuff that I've seen in the last seven years, I just don't see how these people are going to let Trump win. So they'll either have to come up with something or they'll run a different candidate, but they can't have Biden and think and then let Trump win. What do you what do you think about that, Julie? I mean, I think that that's how a lot of people feel is that if he is the nominee or really any any of the Republicans, but certainly Trump. If he's the nominee, they are going to pull out all the stops, do whatever necessary, break any law to make sure that he doesn't win, which is why they're also this hilarious narrative, Black Mirror moment, where they're accusing Trump of if he gets back in the White House, he will rule as an authoritarian. He will use the DOJ and federal agencies to retaliate against his. I mean, come on. Right. Right. It is it is kind of funny, but, you know, at the same time. You know, I'm just like, well, I thought those are the new rules, right? I mean, aren't those the new rules where you, you can rules. do that? They where you can um, yes. just um, use the presidency to, you know, go back against your political enemies. So that's that's how that's where I am. I mean, look, I've, I've said this before that, you know, either everybody follows the rules or nobody follows the rules. So apparently they want the left wants to only have half the country follow the rules. So I don't think that's, that's going right. to work out very well. Right. So it's going to work. <clears throat> right. So, so um, we'll see what starts happening. But really, things are going to kick off that um, second week of January. Not only do you have oral arguments on January 9th um, before the D.C. Circuit, which I will be covering live um, on Twitter slash X, January 9th also is the start of a very interesting bench trial in Georgia of this lawsuit that has been percolating for the past few years against Georgia state officials, including Republicans, um, for using these very unstable, vulnerable electronic voting systems. So um, Judge Totenberg, who is, yes, NPR, Nina Totenberg's sister, a Democrat, she issued this lengthy ruling a few months ago that really confirmed people's suspicions and allegations against Georgia's voting system. And Georgia elected officials, Brian Kemp, but more specifically Secretary of State Brad Raffensperger for not making sure that these systems were secure and and viable and weren't filled with, you know, gaps that could be exploited, which we know that they were now. And so that trial is going to start on January 9th, which is an interesting sideshow, Liz, to what will be happening in D.C. because you've got potential witnesses Secretary of State Brad Raffensperger, who apparently said he will not be testifying in the Georgia bench trial, 
is expected to be called as a government witness in the D.C. January 6th case against Donald Trump. So these two are really inextricably tied because the Georgia issue is a big part of Jack Smith's indictment against Donald Trump. And, you know, the fake made up call where he said, you need to find whatever they are, 12,000 votes. Yeah. But, you know, they had to come back and clarify the Washington Post when they first reported that. Then they had to come back and they were like, whoa, that's only part of what the conversation was. Well, really? So that's just another interesting sort of backdrop to what will be happening in Washington, which is why Liz, considering what's happening in Georgia, um, also, I think there's more news coming out of both Arizona and Wisconsin. I think there's some more revelations about Wisconsin's 2020 election. But as we keep going back to this 1512 C2 matter, the Supreme Court are, is going to hear that that's half of Jack Smith's indictment. Like he's in such unstable territory right now with his existing indictment. It's hard to see that he won't bring something else just to. No. They, you know, they have to cover their bases. bases. Yeah, right. They have to cover their bases and they need to have as many options as possible on how to stop Trump from getting back into into office, into power. So I'm I'm going to be excitedly watching and obviously following everything you say on Twitter because you are doing God's work by following this so some of us don't have to or pay for a pacer um trial transcripts <laughs> that's a big nobody, one nobody wants to do that um do you have any predictions at all just based on what you've been seeing i mean you're much more familiar with the, this legal process so do you have any predictions at all because like i said you know whatever the supreme court does with jack smith stuff i mean that's not that's not all they're doing there's other things going on so and they've gamed it out. So, but still, what do you, do you have any predictions on what's going to happen? I mean, Liz, I, <clears throat> it's hard to see Jack Smith in this current predicament. And as the immunity issue makes slowly makes its way through the courts, um, he needs to juice the news, right? He needs to give the left what they want. So this waiting game is not going to work for them, which is why he keeps filing these stupid motions. And the last one was this um, motion in limine, which is just what people file, what they want to present to the jury, what the defense should not be allowed to. So he kind of does that, but this is not going to work. So if he goes a few months and at some point, Liz, in early after the first of the year, someone is going to have to call the ball on this March 4th trial date. It cannot go forward. You're, they've already blown through certain deadlines, including, and again, I go back to this January 9th date, which is interesting. That is the date that drafts of jury questionnaires were supposed to be submitted to the court. So a jury questionnaire will go out to, you know, hundreds in this case of prospective jurors in Washington, D.C. to try to weed out biased jury. Good luck with that, because the Department of Justice has a 100 percent conviction rate for defendants in January 6th trials. Not every charge, but of nearly 100 or so January 6th defendants who have gone to trial before a jury in Washington, D.C. Not one has been fully acquitted. Not one. They've been acquitted on a few charges here and there. But think about that, Liz. Not a single defendant. Yeah. Has been, now, two have been on bench trials. But this is what Donald Trump is going up against. So just imagine <laughs> exacerbating that biased, impartial 
you know, environment against Donald Trump. So they've already blown through deadlines. I mean, how are you going to take this unprecedented case that's been now on hold after the first of the year and pretend that in six or seven weeks you're going to be ready to start selecting a jury and go to trial? So he's got to do something else, Jack Smith. And we know now, as we've said, they abide by no boundary boundaries. They don't care about the Constitution. They don't care about the rule of law. They don't care about, you know, they love the double standards. They love to shove our face in it, that they have the power and we don't. And this is how it's going to go. And the courts, for the most part, you've got Democrat judge here. You're going to have a Democrat judge panel on the appellate court. You're going to have if they go to the full circuit, it's stacked with Obama appointees, gets to the Supreme Court. No one trusts that. <laughs> no one trusts the quote unquote conservatives on, on, on that court, except for maybe two. So um, my feeling is that Jack Smith's going to have to make the next move. And as the immunity matter goes on, probably file the superseding indictment um, to to get some more explosive headlines and to to fuel the fire. That's my guess. I could be wrong, but I doubt it. What do you think the Supreme Court's going to do with about the Colorado ballot thing? I mean, because once they rule on that, that's going to shut down a lot of states who are trying to do the same thing. Right. I I mean, so the Colorado Supreme Court, they put on hold their own ruling, knowing that this would make it to the Supreme Court. So that's on hold until January 4th. So I think that you said that the GOP, someone had f- already filed yes. cert. The GOP has has filed cert. And so now the Supreme Court is, you know, it's over there. So the Colorado court, Supreme Court had stayed there ruling until January 4th because that's the day before ballots are printed, right? They have to go print all the ballots, meaning whose name is going to be on the ballot. So the Supreme Court doesn't have a lot of time to act, And they're closed and they're shut down this week. So they don't go back to work. They're not going to start issuing orders until Tuesday the 2nd. Right. And, and you know, once Colorado starts printing their ballots without Trump's name on it, then what? Then, then the question is, then what? Right. That's a mess. Another mess. Many, many messes. And then we've got the classified documents case. Let's not, we kind of forgot about that. It's interesting that you don't hear about that because you've got Judge Eileen Cannon, who is the complete opposite of Judge Tanya Chutkin. Um, And really, I think, unless Smith issue files the superseding indictment against Trump in Washington, there's going to be a lot of action there. Now, again, that pretrial calendar has been put on hold by her because she has called for a March 1st status hearing between Trump's team and DOJ to see what's up with the D.C. trial, because she yeah. told um, Jay Bratt, who's the chief prosecutor for Jack Smith's team at a hearing in November, I was there and she confronted him and, and said, well, there's a very good chance the D.C. trial could overlap with the beginning of this trial. And Donald Trump, even though he's Donald Trump, still has rights as a defendant to prepare for his own defense, which will be impossible if he is on trial in Washington for, you know, two or three months. So she is called for this March 1st status hearing. That should be interesting. Maybe she will delay that or maybe the Department of Justice will file a motion asking to, you know, hold off on that hearing. 
But there's still some things happening there, which is Jack Smith trying to keep alleged classified documents away from Donald Trump and his two co-defendants. So classified documents that are part of the case. I mean, it's it's absurd. I don't know how this is could possibly be allowed, to be honest. But again, I don't know how a lot of things are happening. (laughs) Well, that's just, you know, I mean, take a number. um, But it is pretty it's crazy to say that the a defendant would be denied access to the central claim of their of their case, like a central element of their case. It's absolutely crazy. Well, what they're using is something called the Classified Information Procedures Act. So this is kind of a statute that guides how individuals charged with mishandling or harboring or sharing classified materials can then again view that material in discovery. Well, Liz, this is intended for people who were stealing classified documents and then like sharing Sandy Berger, like Clinton administration official Sandy Berger, who stole classified documents, but whatever, go ahead. I want to point that out. Tuck it in mm-hmm. his underwear. Um, yeah. But these are for people using it for nefarious purposes to share with our enemies or share military secrets or what have you. It's not to apply to a president whose records, classified records, were produced during his own presidency. And they're trying to keep some of those from Trump. Well, we know why. Because Jack Smith is lying. Because they are lying about the nature of the files that they stole out of Mar-a-Lago. And they're trying to keep it from what? His his valet, Walt, Walt Nada, who was just moving boxes. And then the other guy, Carlos de Oliveira, who barely speaks English. And they want to keep all of the materials away from both of those co-defendants. Because they know they are lying about the nature of of what these papers actually are. And they well, have to do it because they don't want to present this in court. They want to say, oh, this is way too sensitive. If we show the jury or we show the judge or we show the defendants, we're going to be at nuclear war. That's how sensitive these documents are. They're lying. They're full of shit. Well, I just want to point out <clears throat> that they're not actually talking. I mean, this doesn't actually involve giving the documents to Donald Trump and these other people. It's the lawyers that are officers of the court that have sworn to uphold certain, you know, uh, ethical standards, if there are any left. Mm-hmm. Th- that's who's getting the documents. So it's it's not I mean, it's it's a little game they're playing by le- making people think, well, we don't want to give Trump the documents he was accused of leaking or stealing or whatever. They're not giving the documents to Donald Trump. It's to the lawyers. So the lawyers can prepare a defense. Am I right? I'm right. They're not like, here, Donald Trump, here are the documents that's going to his counsel, to all of these counsels so that they can prepare a defense. And again, all the lawyers are sworn to uphold certain principles and ethics, being a lawyer and being part of the court system. So are they saying that some lawyers, you know, are shifty enough to, I don't know, share classified documents with whatever whoever that's the implication but again they're doing this on for low information dummies who don't know any better and who think oh well yeah of course why would they want to give back give back the classified documents that trump was accused of um you know stealing and that's actually not what's going on they're literally withholding a critical part of his defense his ability to to to, to have a defense 
that's what that that's what they're doing. It's a joke. Right. Right. So we've still we've got that going on. Then on the other side, we have what looks like an escalating impeachment inquiry into Joe Biden, of course. And now reporting this week indicates that both um, House Oversight Committee Chairman Jim Comer and House Judiciary Committee Chairman Jim Jordan said there were comments made by the White House press secretary indicating that Joe Biden was aware of Hunter's little presser that he gave, remember, before oh, yeah. he was supposed he gave, to testify. Um, like a grown, like he didn't go in. Uh, remember when we were talking on the show, like, what would he do? You know, was he going to actually testify? Is he not? And then we said there would be no consequences. And we were right. Um, so then he was like a little he flounced. Right. He like flounced and gave a little presser, you know, that he's he a conscientious the objector. He's the yes, of the Republican witch hunt. And he gave a presser and which was kind of good because now there's a bunch more pictures of him. Um, we didn't have a lot of pictures of him. But he around. is closed so there's, this time. Oh, well, that is a good point. There were a lot of pictures of him. None would be allowed to be used on a news site. Um, and then he you know, made his case for he, whatever, made his case. And uh, that was it. Nothing happened. I don't, you know, as, as I said, if he didn't show up, what were they going to do? Nothing. So go ahead. You were saying it turns out that Joe may have been aware of Hunter's little, little flounce, his little tantrum. So his go ahead. Stunt, publicity stunt. And then involved or aware of at least his plans to um, violate the subpoena. For him to testify. So they are now seeking communications between Hunter Biden, his lawyers and the White House. Of course, they're not going to get any of it. But uh, that's the little sidebar. So, Liz, what do you, what's going to happen with this impeachment inquiry? So you've got congressional investigations like we just talked about into January 6th and January 6th committee. Um, but then you've got also, you know, the congressional threats to go forward with this impeachment inquiry into Joe Biden. Nothing's going to happen. I mean, they're going to go forward with it. <clears throat> the White House, first of all, they're not going to get any cooperation. And that's going to, at the very least, stall the investigation. They want to prolong it as long as possible. <clears throat> it's so it's going to stall the investigation. And it, they're they're not even going to turn over documents or they'll turn over basically like redacted and they'll just be pages of black. Right. Just like the whole thing. No, that's what they'll do. Mm -hmm. So, you know, they're not going to get extra information that they don't have. They're not going to get confirmation. I, I, I can't imagine that would get turned over. So then what now, if they don't build a case against Biden, which I, I think they already have enough, but the media, of course, is always going to say that they don't have enough evidence. And there's um, all these weasel GOPers who are chicken shit. It's an election year. Nobody wants to take that vote. They're afraid to take the vote because they're pussies. So, you know, what what where does that leave Johnson to bring to the floor? You know, like, I think it has to get voted out of judiciary. Um. I'm not even sure what the process is since he already took a vote to get an inquiry started. Mm -hmm. Um, And they're too dumb to use the media like the Democrats 
use every little thing to like get the media, you know, to get it in the media, to set the narrative. But the Republicans are too stupid to do that. So they don't do that. So procedurally, where do you go after this? What what are they going to do? So the media is going to slam them. They're going to slam any attempt to hold Biden accountable, because to be honest, the media is complicit in all of this stuff. They were slobbering over Joe Biden when he was the vice president of Obama. They never wrote a crossword about Obama, the Obama administration. So the media, in a way, let this happen. It speaks to the dereliction, their dereliction of not doing their job when Joe Biden was vice president. They didn't, you know, they weren't interested in him. So they're not going to cover it fairly. Plus they're partisan activists. So I don't know where it's going to go. It's not going to go anywhere. I, I I don't know if Johnson will bring a floor, a vote to the floor because there's too many reps who won't vote for it. They're chicken. They're scared. It's an election year. Plus Johnson, I mean, one of the downsides of being Speaker of the House is you want to keep your majority. And so there are people in purple states. We don't have a large majority because our dumb shits voted out one of our own, George Santos. And Kevin McCarthy, you know, he tapped out because he's a fucker. You know, that we had like a five majority. Now, what do we have a three majority? So all you need is three people to say, I'm not voting for impeachment. And then are they going to have a vote? And then a vote that fails, that's not good for the narrative, right? So mm -hmm. you see how this is going to, this is a disaster. So I don't, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't think they're going to get extra information. I don't think there's going to be any cooperation. They're going to drag their feet. I, I, I'm not optimistic. Do I think, do I think Biden should be impeached? Yeah, I think he's done several things that are worthy of impeachment. Is it going to happen? No. And of course, the Senate will never convict him. So it's in that sense, he's not going anywhere. So what's the point of all this then, I guess? Um, I think the point is that there's a lot of public pressure from people, the base especially, who are fed up with all the information that is coming out on a regular basis from people like John Solomon or from you or from our very small group of reporters who are exposing information and people are getting fed up with it. It's so flagrant and they are, they don't want Johnson and the party doesn't want to uh, dispirit the base because they won't turn out on the, you know, for the election. And that is a, that is a problem. You know, like nobody showed, people didn't show up to vote for McCain or Romney. They don't want a similar situation. I know Trump is not, is not the same, but also people will not vote down ballot. You know, they're more than happy. Trump voters more than any other voter for a Republican are there for Trump and not the party. So they'll just vote for Trump and they don't give a shit who's running for dog catcher. They're not voting down ballot. Well, that's going to really hurt the House of Representatives because traditionally a strong top of the ticket helps the lower offices the Senate, the House, and then, of course, like city council and all that garbage. So that is a problem they have. So in a way, they're really in a rock and a hard place. They've got to do something because the base is really pissed. But you have a bunch of chicken shits and also people that are in, you know, purple districts. They are concerned about what the media coverage is going to be. That, so I think that's why they're doing it. He ha they have to do something. And this is all that they can do with their lack of courage. Yes, I, that, that's a good way to put it. 
their lack of courage. This is this is about all that they've got. And I mean, to be fair versus, you know, trying to enforce other aspects, saying even the Hunter Biden subpoena. If you sent a criminal referral to the Department of Justice, of course, that's going nowhere. So they are somewhat limited in at least their prosecutorial approach. Um, But I don't know. I keep going back and forth if this is really worth it, the the time and expense and political capital to try to impeach Biden. I mean, I like I don't think so. I kind of agree with you. I understand why they're doing it as like a political operative. I do. I understand how important it is to keep the house or to try and keep the house and keep the majority or get more of a majority. I I do understand that. But as a citizen um, and as a long-term person who isn't just thinking about campaign strategy, they should be putting their effort into other things that are more long game associated. Like the left has done, which was like basically taking over and capturing the entire federal government apparatus that that's right that's <laughs> exactly what I yes think. that would be good yeah so that's that's my that's my two cents on this we'll see what happens not optimistic as usual well as as we close out we'll go to the poll that you flagged for me this week which proves once again why gen x is so cool and awesome yeah so i I sent Julie this poll and we're going to do something that's quite extraordinary here at happy hour. (laughs) We're going to end on some good news. (laughs) Um, Good news for us, for our dignity as Gen Xers and you, I know we have a lot of Gen X listeners. Um, Shout out to you. There is a new poll out. I'm reading this article from of all places, NPR, which um, shows how anti Biden the generations are. So the Gen Z slash millennials useless 50 percent disapprove of of biden which is not great is is not good actually mm-hmm. gen x holla 62 percent that's almost two-thirds so two out of every three gen xer disapproves of joe biden then the boomers useless right 48 percent disapprove of Biden and then the silent greatest generation 48%. So again, Gen X way ahead way ahead of the other generations. But notably this is probably in the margin of error. It looks like it's in the margin of error, but Gen Z millennials are number 2 on approving disapproving of Joe Biden. It's the boomers and the silent greatest. So that's not really good for Biden to be honest because True. they do count he does count on the the youth vote, the Democrats, especially because the Democrats have unlike the Republicans have spent a lot of treasure moving forward certain voting laws that there are precincts on college campuses that there's active recruiting on college campuses. Well, it doesn't seem to help. It'll be very interesting to see how this plays out in November if the Democrat and again, like I said earlier in the show, are is Joe Biden going to even be the nominee, which is kind of up in the air if they run Biden again? How is that going to what's going to happen with the younger generation? I mean, half of them disapprove. Only 39 percent do approve of 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 Biden and other than Gen X, the baby boomers and the silent generation, each is like 50-50, like half, appro- you know, they have even approval, disapproval. 
but more Gen Z millennials and more Gen Xers, a lot more Gen Xers disapprove of Biden than approve of him. And for the millennials, shockingly, that's a, there's an 11 point spread. So 39 percent approve and 50 percent disapprove. That is really bad for him. So and like I said, the left has put a lot of resources into getting out the youth vote. So we'll see how that plays out in November if Joe is the nominee. But I will point out it's almost it's going to be January in less than a week. They're running out of time. They're starting to have primaries soon. So who is the new who is the not Joe Biden candidate that they're going to whip out to beat to beat Trump? Who is it? We have I have no idea. I don't know, Liz. And there's still so many people who somehow think that Biden is just going to gracefully exit the race on his own. And someone is going to step in, whether it's Gavin Newsom or Gretchen Whitmer or Michelle Obama. Um, I just don't see that happening at all. Well, just time wise, it can't happen. You're running out a deadline to get on the ballot. You know, there are deadlines associated with declaring. You have to declare. You have to get on these ballots. Who is doing that? Who is getting ready to do that or as starting started the process? You can't just, you know, people think the media controls everything. You know, if it's written in the media, then it's true. But that's not there is a procedure to get on the ballot in these states. Of course, there was a procedure for voting, and we saw how that went down in 2020. Well, that's true. But, you know, I don't know if Biden's going to have, like, quote, a medical emergency, and then they're going to say, oh, there's a medical emergency, and we had to get somebody. We had to run a Democrat, and we, you know, because Trump is so dangerous, he can't run on a post, so we had to break all the rules to get Gavin Newsom or Michelle Obama or Gretchen Whitmer or Jack Smith or you know, whoever, one of these clowns on the on the on the ticket that could happen. And if it did, I'm going to be replaying that clip for every day for the eternity of me just saying that that might happen. <laughs> so anyway, that is the end of our show with a hap on a happy note. So, Yay. again, Gen 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 X to save the world. Um, no, no surprise to Julie and I. We know That's how true. awesome we are. Have a great weekend. Julie, are we going to be here next week? Well, we are because, Liz, what is next week? Can you believe it is the three-year anniversary of the insurrection? Oh, my God. The insurrection. That's right. So three-year anniversary. I guess we're going to have a (laughs) star-studded... bonanza here we're gonna on, have the QAnon shaman we're maybe have lectern guy maybe we'll have some of the crying there's police officers yeah dance we're gonna have a dance party we're gonna have a j6 insurrection dance party it's just gonna be <laughs> a jamboree it's gonna be a jamboree so, a jamboree a, jam- <laughs> a jan six so, right <laughs> All right, guys, have a fabulous weekend. Don't forget to subscribe on iTunes. Also, we're on Spotify. You can, I think, rate us there. Please rate us. But rate rate us and subscribe. And we will see you next week. Thanks for listening to Happy Hour with Julie and Liz. We'll see you next week. Bye.